0: I saw a post on your social media from a while ago. You looked to be about two or three, and you had a little toy guitar strapped to you. So was that um, something that you remember really enjoying back then and really thinking that music was something that was pretty cool?
1: So first off, already off to an amazing start. I love these questions. This is going to be so much fun. I'm pumped to be here like i've already said and um with that photo if we if we kind of go back to those moments um my parents got divorced when i was like three or four and was about four years old and so there are a lot of like memories in my past we're just going to be so real on this podcast i want to give you everything I'm gonna for sure it. it's a lot it's actually kind of hard to remember certain memories and stuff because you kind of block the bad and the good out with a lot of things that happened in childhood being the oldest of four and a lot of things that kind of happened in my childhood and everything like that. I will say that moment right there is a very cool moment. I'm with my mom. I think I'm in an apartment in Florida um, and because uh, I think I lived there for like a couple months randomly. I don't even, like it's so weird to know. And really? I, I know for a fact that I used to grab my fake guitar and she would set up like this like little wood platform and I would like play like fake songs on that stage. And more often than not, she used to tell me that I would fall off that stage over and over. And I would like fall off of it and do like a barrel roll and then get up and like keep performing as if it was a part of the show. So that's, awesome. that's kind of like that. And I think I think music was always in me when I was younger. Um, and, you know, obviously it's never left and it just continues to be the driving force in my life. But outside of that, um, I do think that uh, those moments kind of made me there's more a million more. But those are one of those pinnacle moments. And that's why I post photos like that. Because, like, you know, I've been told this story a million times. It's clearly a part of who I am. It's what I do. So yeah. It's, it's and
0: cool. Your mom's from Columbia and your dad's uh, sort of the good old American boy. Yes, sir. So what did that look like? Cause I know I've read that your parents weren't exactly musical, but they really enjoyed music and it was all around the house and that, it was sort of your relatives that were the musical ones in playing the instruments. So how did that all mesh together when you were young?
1: Um, so like I, like you said, my mom's Hispanic. So you have the bilingual side of everything and um, it's very rooted in music. And so was my dad as well, especially in country music. So, Um, it's a combination of all those things. Um, but when it came down to instruments, um, I was very sports driven, um, growing up, like I really thought I was going to be an athlete. That was the goal. Um, and I did that all the way through high school and I thought I was going to go do it in college and I took a music scholarship instead. So you can kind of see how all these things have like blended into like, even from the guitar falling off that stage, it was all leading to that moment where I was going to go to college for music instead. So, um, I look back on those things and, uh, you know, I, my mom can sing in the choir and she sounds amazing. Her voice is actually amazing. She'll, she'll never claim it, but she's amazing. <laughs> uh, my sister can also sing. Uh, my brother can also sing, but they never do it. My brother is like one of the most talented musicians I know. He's actually, uh, he does my front of house on the road. So when you're right. in the crowd, he's what's making me sound good out there. And uh, he's now moving to, he's going to be on the Dan and Shay tour. And he's oh, going to be awesome. playing. Yeah, he's going to be doing the band Camino and he's going to be doing their sound on that tour. Um, So it's just and he's like a huge part of everything for me. Like he builds all my sound everything like that. So back to the question, my entire family is musical in weird ways. And I know that there are there are cousins and people I've never met in Columbia, South America and half cousins and stuff that are like really into the arts and like in bands and stuff. And I was like, this is crazy. So it is a heritage thing, I think, for sure. Right. Not from my dad's side, not from the Alabama side. Like not, <laughs> like not, not a lot of them are musical, and I love them. The Fillmore side is not as musical, but the Hispanic side definitely is. And uh, like the other day, this Netflix series came out, and my cousin is the lead actor in this huge Netflix series. Oh, really? Uh, uh, and it, it and I saw it on like it pop up, and I was like, "This is absolutely crazy." It's all in Spanish, and I'm like, I'm like hitting him up on Instagram. He's like a million followers. I'm like. That's my cousin, dude. Wow. So, crazy. So
0: that is awesome. And let's talk about grade four or five. I kind of get different accounts online. And you join choir because if you did, you got extra credits for recess.
1: That's a real. Story.
0: So if that wouldn't have happened, if choir wouldn't have offered extra recess time, do you think your journey would have been a lot different?
1: Man, I've actually never been asked that question uh, because all I know is that fourth grade, they made us learn the violin and then um, and that was just a part of the curriculum, like at the public school out of that. And then right. it was it was fourth, it was it was actually fifth grade that the free recess was offered. And I, I remember just loving recess. So like I actually look back on this and I'm like, I think music would have always been a part of like my life because I was always just trying to play piano and try to play everything I possibly could. Possibly could, um, but the singing part, you know, it really was rooted from that moment, and it's it's so crazy. And I say it in all these interviews because it's like it is a real thing. I really just wanted to go to that extra recess, man, and I ended up in choir. So it's crazy, and then never left choir again. Like it was great, right?
0: Yeah, and you're classically trained. So when did that come in? Was that in your younger years in elementary school, or was that later on? How did that all fit?
1: Well, with choir, I mean, you 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 get classically trained. Kind of. Right. And uh, and you learn a lot about reading music and everything like that. And uh, you learn all the parts and learn how to hone your voice in. And I I would trade from tenor to bass and all these different things. But uh, to be honest, like when I really got good at music was when I went to to college for it. Um, I got a vocal performance scholarship to the University of Missouri. And um, I dove completely headfirst into that. And I and it really was like, all right, this is fun. This is a hobby. This is I play sports and I do music on the side. Right. Now I'm gonna go study music. And I played music and I, you know, I would try to, you know, play music to get girls or whatever, but like (laughs) outside of that, like um, that was when I was like, okay, well, I've been doing this forever. Now what does it actually mean? So
0: right. And was it in high school where you meant Robbie Yackle? Is that how you say it? Yakel?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yakel.
0: And so how did that uh, form your journey? Because you started playing music with him, right?
1: how do you know this (laughs) research? I love it. That is Insane. Um, (laughs) yeah. So Robbie Eagles actually, um, he actually played baseball with me and, uh, he was way talented on the piano and guitar and uh, way more instrumentally talented than I was, but I wanted to write songs and I wanted to do these things. And so I learned a lot from him as a friend and, um, man, he's, he's, he still lives in my hometown and I, I love that whole crew and all those people. And, i love to get back there this is so crazy um so that's cool um and so long story short he was just like another one of those pieces that we kind of started this like tyler Fillmore band and we built Mm -hmm. maybe i'm a narcissist i put my name on everything i got (laughs) Uh, my last name is Fillmore. now everyone knows my name's tyler uh you know you've done the research but outside of all that man it was a yeah, he was a huge part of the beginning steps of me taking this journey. Um, and we played sports together, so there was that familiarity. And we were also really great friends um, growing up mm-hmm. in high school and college as well. We were college roommates, too. So he was always kind of a part of my journey. Um, and it was just like, you know, and I I still keep in touch with those people. and I love them. It's just I went and did a different path. I moved to Nashville. Not everyone wanted to move to Nashville, you know. So right. a lot of things kind of shift. And you have to risk everything and throw it out a wall and hope it sticks. So. And the journey's still going, but um, outside of that, yeah, I cannot believe you brought Robbie Yakel up. High school, hometown, one of the best guys I know still to this day. Text him every once in a while. got to catch up when I get back. He's in Wildwood, Missouri, I think still. He might be in Illinois right now. I think he lives in Illinois right now. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he got married recently. Uh, I think, oh, actually, he just had a kid. He just had a little baby daughter, I think. Oh, so. nice. Um. Anyway long just that's cool
0: (laughs) and along with him going into college you mentioned the tyler fillmore band there was also max and john that joined in for that and so you guys formed that and i was actually able to find uh all the wrong ways and push two singles that you guys where did you find those uh it's on
1: reverb nation it's still on there yeah that's amazing (laughs) okay you know what i'm never going to take them down i love those songs like you know here's the thing we all come from like first off, I love what you're doing and I love being a part of this because it's like you really got to dig into like how you get to a certain point. Like there's no, it doesn't just happen to where like, all right, I'm an artist today. Let's exactly. go to radio. It's going to work <laughs> out. I've never done music before, but you believed in me and I have a stupid haircut. So let's go. You know, <laughs> So it's not really that. It's, it's more or less um, all these little moments that you're bringing up and, you know, all the wrong ways and push and those songs like here's the thing, like do I write better songs now? Every day, yeah, hundred percent for and sure. I, and I, but will I say that those were? They have a special place in my heart, and and I, you know, it was you gotta you gotta write. You know, you put ten thousand hours in, man. You gotta get your chops up, and uh, I'm fine with those being out in the world. I'm fine with you finding them because you know what, like, I mean I was in high school when I wrote those or college. You know, it's crazy, so.
0: Awesome. And when you went to university, you majored in both music and business. So did you major on the business side, A, because you needed something to fill classes, B, because you knew it would support you as a musician, or C, because you figured if music didn't work out, you could still do something on the music side, but in, in the business aspect of it?
1: I would go with C. But also I would say that I did it because I have a real big passion for marketing, which is also a part of being an artist, which is the coolest thing that I get to do both the things I studied. But outside of that, um, I will say that at at university of Missouri, Mizzou, um, it's very classically opera trained. Oh, okay. So if I would have gone to a college like Belmont in Nashville, they do a music business school where it's like, it's very up to date and fresh on like exactly what's happening in the industry. Right. I wanted to have a combination of two different things because I didn't want to get my degree and go to Europe and sing opera for the rest of my life. Cause like, <laughs> right. that's really what you're training to do when you go get a voice degree at uh, a, a, at a university that that's what they're classically trained. That's, that's what you're doing. You're getting classically trained. I was in operas in college. Like, I mean, right weird stuff like that and singing in different languages and doing all that stuff so um I think the marketing side I say see it is also just something I love it's also a great fallback it's also something that ties into what I do now and it was something that I also was just so in love with I couldn't really decide so
0: (laughs) and so you graduate you decide to go to Nashville Now, when did you decide that? Has that been a long-time dream? Like, it could have been really easy just to sort of head into St. Louis, right, and sort of try and make it work there. So why did you decide to take the leap and head to Nashville?
1: I always wanted to go to Nashville um, in high school. Well, it was my senior year when everything changed um, in high school, where, you know, I shifted from playing soccer my entire life to playing football my senior year and you know I played baseball and I thought I was gonna play baseball in college and I was like I did the high school musical and I was bye bye birdie and Conrad you know I was Conrad Birdie and bye bye birdie and like I did all these different things. And so I think um the Nashville move was my senior year. And I think I I got offered college stuff and you know to be honest like and I've said this before I followed a girl to college. That's the truth was my high school school So, high school sweetheart, and I still, there's still songs about her and all this stuff, and you still pull from those real experiences. It's a long story short, uh, yeah, I think Nashville was inevitable, um, but I, you know, I do question, I had a blast in college, but to, to shoot you straight, I, uh, I do question from time to time if I should have gone straight out of high school to Nashville because, you know, as much fun as I had in college, to, for what I've accomplished and been able to do, it just came down to trusting your gut, having a God willing talent and believing in it. And, uh, maybe I would be four years closer, to, you know, end goal, you know, I don't know. but Crazy.
0: on the business side, I imagine having that college education helped you as an independent artist. I, I can imagine that if you wouldn't have had that, it might've been a tougher struggle, um, to move along
1: yeah and I agree and I, I think the independent thing was a, a flag I still love to wave I you know I did things that people have never done in country music as an independent artist and mm-hmm. that was something that I, I get to hang my hat on at the end of the day so and of-
0: and so in 2011 when you moved to Nashville did Robbie Max or John join you because you formed you were a trio right when you first moved to Nashville so it, was it two of those guys or was it different guys that you formed with when you moved there
1: same group. Uh, Robbie was Robbie was just, he would travel on weekends with me in college and we were roommates and we were in the same fraternity and we played all these colleges in the other states and then we'd come back and go to classes during the week. Um, but John moved to Nashville with me and actually moved into the house with me um, and we took a go at it and we started playing on Broadway in Nashville and that's how it all kind of started.
0: Oh. Okay. Um,
1: but uh, Max came down and he actually was a part of the trio and he sang on the record and was a part of everything, but never made the move because at that time I started shifting to doing more solo stuff.
0: Right. And so you recorded an album when you first got there in 2011, right? That's
1: how it all started, man. Yeah.
0: And then in 2013, there was tattoos and corn. Oh and no. I can't really link that anywhere. Was that just a one-off mistake for you? All
1: right. Look, I backed that song up. It's freaking great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's just not my brand of what I do now, but there are people that do that brand of like country and like have number ones and they're great artists. And, uh, you know, it's about waking up in a field next to a farmer's daughter and, you know, she is a little bit rebel. So she had tattoos. I was wake up in a field, tattoos and corn, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) look, I still have like diehard fans. Like literally, I, I think I got, I played the Opry last night and, um, I, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina now. I played the opera last night, and like, oh, wow, and uh, came here like I'm doing all my rights here at the beach just for a couple days, just to kind of decompress. But nice. I'm telling you, man, like I, I did, a, I did a live thing last night where fans got on for a second. I just did it for like a split second, and surely enough, someone asked for tattoos and court. It <laughs> It is if you are a diehard Fillmore fan, or if you've been a part of my journey in the last nine years, you you request that song it's a thing and i'm just telling you and here's the other thing i hate it i hate the song
0: (laughs) oh man and then in that year as well you had the kitchen tapes right
1: yeah that was crazy because when i first moved there and i did the thing at 16 ton studios and i put all my money into that and created the trio and we kept building that out and touring with it it was very Rascal flats esque it was, was the goal like that mixed with like Crosby, Sills, Nash which is still like my favorite stuff so it was so fun to like be a part of like something like that but then I started building out like when the tattoos and corn thing happened and the kitchen tapes happened what, what I was doing was I the guy that mastered that trio record um, allowed me to bring him coffee and hang out with him his name was Ray Kennedy and I would go to this studio which i ended up living above for uh two years i lived above the studio and he became a mentor to me and he introduced me to my first publisher and other people in town that were very influential and he did all the billy billy joe shaver he did um he did uh steve earl he did copperhead road he did he did all those records and so i got to learn a lot of like technical amazing things and so when i did the kitchen tapes he was just recording upstairs and I was doing one takes in his kitchen of the studio. And then I was like, these will just be, I want to just, I'm about content creating. stuff. no different than today. When you said, right. who cares? It's like, look, I'm, I'm on this like new fence where I've been so precious. I went back and forth, right? Here's the kitchen tapes. Here's these type of things. And then I went back to like, no, I don't want anyone to hear my stuff because I don't want someone to steal it or whatever. Now then the pandemic happens and things shift. And it's like, you know what i write a song every day i'm just gonna start just going after and if people comment enough i'm gonna put it out in two weeks and the label can just deal with it we're gonna figure it out so that's just how i'm at i'm and that's just the world we live in so that's yeah kitchen tapes were definitely one of those things where i was like testing things out you know right and did did that
0: take a while like how long do you feel after you arrived in nashville that you really started to find yourself and who you were as a country artist like is there a year or a point where you personally felt that you had sort of found that within yourself
1: year four uh, that sounds crazy four years um i try to just like you know i grew my hair out and i <laughs> all these things happen but um it's always been a part of me and all the music was gearing towards this. I just didn't, I, the year four was when I said, I don't care what you're telling me, Nashville. And I don't care what you're telling me country music who I am is all it's country music and all the other influences I have. So I'm going to combine this into one thing. And that song was, I got it in headlights and echo on this first uh, film more EP called proof. Right. And that, um, that was who Fillmore is, and that still is who Fillmore is, like that and you know that that is why that's where the chronicles of me as an artist start because that's when I found myself
0: right, and yeah, it's funny on your social media, you can kind of see. It's July 2015, I noticed, where your style started to change and your hair started to go up into the bun. And then it was July of 2015 was the last time that I saw a post using Tyler Fillmore. And then July 16th of 2015 was the first time of just using Fillmore. So it feels like right within that span, you can sort of see yourself evolving into what you are today.
1: I appreciate I Scott chills with you saying that. Um, the truth is, that's a real thing, man. Like, I was like, this is me. I've written the music. I know exactly who I am now. And for me to rebrand this and tell everyone who I am, I'm going to go by my last name because no one's ever called me Tyler. All my friends growing up on the back of my jersey, like I said, sports my entire life, everyone called me Fillmore. In high school, Fillmore. No one ever called me Tyler. I, like my, my best friends still just call me Fillmore. So I was like, I'm just going to go by what people call me everyone in Nashville at the time just called me Fillmore. So I was like, all right, Fillmore's my artist name.
0: (laughs) Right. And so after that release of Proof in 2016, did you almost immediately start writing for what you knew would be your debut full length?
1: Yeah. You know, after Proof, um, no, that's, that's a lie. So the, because there are songs if you look at the full length there are songs in the gaps that didn't make the full length right so you have songs like unreal and you have songs like uh good night and a couple other ones that they're not on proof and they're just singles in the inner term and right. then other ones got added and you know a lot of that just came down to timing i i would have put them on the first record i i only released songs that i think would be a radio single and my whole album 18 songs whatever you personally feel when you listen from one to 18 on the album and any song before, although I do think I've progressed and things have changed, I will say that like they all in my mind were like, you could pick this and take this to radio. Otherwise I'm not, put, I'm not putting filler stuff out. That's not where I'm at. And they're all real personal stories to me. So they're all my babies, you know? So um, no, I, I guess I didn't really know what was going to be on the album at that time. I just knew that I was uh, trying to build my artistry up and tour a lot. And I wanted to get music out and, have people listen to new things as soon as they could but also i wasn't able to put things as fast as i'm putting them out now back <laughs> right then, because you had to deal with i i didn't have radio at the time and um you, you build with dsps and spotify and apple and pandora and amazon and you build these relationships and get on those playlists and if i give them a song every four weeks well then that one song i gave them four weeks ago they just move it off and you know so you got to keep now i'm putting everything out every four weeks because I've been here long enough and I can get put on different things and it just helps everyone. And everyone wants more more music, more quick. So.
0: Right. And when you moved to Nashville, you created a community pretty quick around yourself with others. How important has that been throughout your entire journey?
1: To be honest, you know, uh, John moved here with me and then within nine months he went to Austin and, um, you know, from the trio and the the other guy didn't move, Max didn't move here. um, Right. so, um i you know pretty quickly after three months of playing on broadway created my own community on my own without knowing anybody i didn't know anybody when i moved to nashville right um so to be honest you know i think it does come down to the people that you pull into your circle and who you rely on and how you build that team i've made mistakes i've relied on the wrong people you know it's uh, i'm coming up to nine years in nashville um pretty shortly and Yeah, I mean, the truth is there's no rhyme or reason. There's no right way. There's no, (laughs) this is how you become a country music superstar playing stadiums. Like there's no rule book for this and everything is changing with the time. So you got to trust your gut a lot and then you got to try things and it's trial and error. And uh, for me personally, um, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Um, I've gotten to a really cool place. And I've got a team that's been with me for seven years, um, which is nuts. Um, So, and I've added to that team in the last two years or, and you keep adding pieces to it, but there are people that were on the team that aren't there now. um, But that's just because, you know, everyone has their own path, man. So
0: yeah, for sure. And for my count on the album, I could be wrong in this because it seems kind of crazy, but there's 19 different writers. Is there right around there? I mean,
1: you know better than me man Holy <laughs> i actually never looked that number up that's cool um uh, yeah there are a lot of songs that are just two ways you know like or or you know so we yeah
0: so what is that like for you writing with so many different people like do different people pull different stuff out of you and different emotions and allow you to write different sorts of songs
1: 100 yeah i mean you you nailed it on the head i mean I write with certain people for certain different types of song like it, 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 and it, it goes, if I'm writing like a, you know, if I write anyone but me, which I got to play at the Opry last night, solo acoustic without the band I'm, and with the spotlight on me. And I always wanted to play at the Opry. That's the 18th song on the record. That's the last song. That is the sum up of who I am as a human. That is my story. That's what I'm closing my first debut album out with anyone but me. It's not a single, It's but I, i always thought it could be you know and that's what i wanted and so for me personally um when i went to write that song i knew who i wanted to write it with because i wrote i wrote hard to have a hard time with jason massey and hannah ellis and i was immediately like i wrote i was writing those verses on my back porch and i was sitting there i was like oh my god i don't really know where the chorus goes but this is what i feel and i think it's called this and I wrote all the lyrics to the verses and I literally called up Hannah and Jason and I was like, I got a song. I have to finish it with you guys. We finished it. Done. Put it on the record. It was done. Nice. So, you know, the people that can write certain songs with you, but also. Man, co-writing is the coolest thing in the world. You never know what's going to happen. I write like a crazy person, at least 120 songs a year. And, uh, you know, more recently I've been getting cuts with other big artists and it's a very cool experience to hopefully have those come out in the world. And so, um, yeah, I'm really working on the, you know, uh, being known as a writer because I, you know, that's a huge part of who I am as well. So.
0: And what did the writing and recording on this album look like? Cause I know at least a part of it re- was recorded. You basically got a band house, right. And recorded in the upstairs. So was that for the entire album or just a portion of it?
1: It's a mix. So it's all over the place. Um, if I wrote with a person in a room that was building out the track while we wrote the song, they also became a producer on that song. But okay. Zach Obind, is a genius and he mixed my entire album and he also writes he's amazing writer he's cuts with other artists and he also um tracks my vocal and produces everything as well so he is the glue him and I are the glue so here's me spreading my wings writing with everybody but I have to put a package together and he is the one that touches everything at the end of it so that when you listen down to it it all sounds the exact same right or it feels like a record you know
0: yeah for sure. And before I forget, you mentioned the Opry. I wanted to just talk to you about that briefly because I know that it was big for your dad, right?
1: It is huge for my dad. And it was uh it was also huge for me just because of, like that's a dream, you know, just to be accepted by your peers and everything like that. So now my goal is to play the Opry a million times and remember <laughs> and everything like that. So I bug them all the time to make sure I'm playing as often as I possibly can because it's uh it really it truly is a magical place and my dream is to be a country superstar and you only do that if you're a part of the Opry. So, and kudos to them. Cause it's, uh, you get, I get chills every time I step on that stage. So
0: And being a sports guy, would it mean more for you to play the Opry or to play Bush stadium and not necessarily in the amount of fans that would be there, but just what it meant for you. Bush stadium. What's that?
1: Bush, Bush stadium. stadium? <laughs> I don't even know. I can't even elaborate. I mean, here's the thing. Like, look, it, they're completely different things. But, like, you know, there is more people at their stadium, though. I will say that. Uh, yeah,
0: that's for sure. <laughs> I
1: know you said not to say it, but it's a part of it. Come on,
0: it's definitely a part of it. But, yeah, I imagine it would feel pretty cool, um, you know, standing out there where, where you've watched so many ball games and and being able to look out. Went
1: slower went to radio um, my ad day. So when they put it on the radio. I was flown to St. Louis, or I took my bus to St. Louis, and they took me to the game. I met Ozzy Smith in the dugout, and uh, oh my god, it, it, the whole thing was incredible. And then, middle of the game, they start playing my song in Busch Stadium on the big screen, and they oh, played really? my, they played my music video on the big screen in Busch Stadium to a sold-out Cardinals fans, and then they literally. Like turn the camera to me, and they like I'm just in my seat. And I'm like, <laughs> so that's as close as I've gotten to Pine Bush Stadium, but we're gonna get there one day.
0: What's cooler for you, meeting a famous country artist that you look up to, or meeting a famous sports icon that you look up to?
1: Ah, uh, that's that's pretty even. Uh, that's all, man. You got all the good questions today. <laughs> I don't know how you decide that one. Um, I will say that Rascal Flatts is kind of the mecca for me. Um, Or Keith Urban, you know, like, you know, outside of just like running into them, but like sitting there having a full conversation, them them actually knowing how big of a fan I am. Um, But athletes are also crazy. I've been talking to Jimmy Butler recently and, and just other crazy, you know, other athletes in my past it's been such a crazy experience to be attached why do they even care about me but at the same time like i think there's such a similar struggle and drive that comes from an athlete and artist as well so um every it's just a very relatable thing and i think that's why we gravitate towards each other so it's cool
0: And you talk about that drive and I know you're the kind of person who is really always looking to the next thing. And you've talked in the past about wanting to change that and slow down and appreciate where you are. Um, Mm -hmm. A, have you been able to do that? And B, do you take the time to look back and realize that there's so many places I want to go, but when I look back at my, Three-year-old self falling off a wooden platform in my living room, and look to where I am today. You know, this is my dream. I'm living my dream, even though I still have places to go.
1: Don't make me cry, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> damn it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm constantly working on myself to make sure I hold on to those little moments for sure. But you gotta stay driven too. So it's it's hard. It's a balance. I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't figured out the balance yet, but I, I promise you I'm working on it every day to get it get it right. So
0: It'll get there. It'll get there for sure. And coming out of 2020, you had such a great year, even with all the struggles, getting married and your music blowing up. What are you most looking forward to after that and actually being able to get out in the world?
1: Touring it's uh the piece of me that's really missing um I I have been playing shows and and random things here and there but when it comes back full force and it you know I've got a pretty crazy uh fall ahead of me and I wish I could tell you what it is but just I'll give you a hint that it is uh it's a first for me and it's a huge thing and I haven't told anyone so that's all i must say but uh touring this fall is going to be pretty epic for Fillmore and my team. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for the world to open up a little bit and for me to do what I love the most, which is uh, sing songs I wrote in front of a crowd of people that love it and sing it back.
0: And you talk about sort of your emotion, looking back and looking to where you've gotten, what about your parents? what like how thrilled are they and proud are they of the journey that you've been able to take
1: my parents are always proud of me they're the most supportive people in the world so i uh, yeah i mean i maybe i take it a little bit for granted but when you bring it up like that yeah they're they're there every step of the way my in-laws as well like you know i just got married and like it's just like i've known these people my entire life so um it's uh, it's crazy the support system and the people that are around me. Um, and for me to even think that I'm struggling in any way or upset one day for some reason about this thing that I wanted to happen that didn't like, I, I seem crazy sometimes for even being bothered by it. So. And when you look at it,
0: getting married this year, I noticed that there was like a full write-up on people.com. Like how crazy is that, that you're at a point where you're not playing stadiums, but your life matters enough to so many people that you're being written about on people.com.
1: I don't even know. Man. I, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I th- like that's crazy, but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't have an answer for that. Like, I hope more of those things keep happening. And I hope that I just, I want to stay in a headspace to where like, I can still truly be myself and honestly put up, and write songs from the heart and I don't want to become a robot in any of this. And, at this. and I want to, I want to love this till the day I die. I don't want to ruin the magic of what this is. And as it grows, it's hard to keep that, you know, um, from what I've been told as well. So I, you know, for me personally, um, it's just another thing that like, you know, I don't focus on too much, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's pretty freaking cool. So <laughs>
0: that's awesome well there's a ton of good stuff ahead and i have so many questions about the new album that i didn't get to ask so if i can ask you once the big news comes out that you're not able to share right now if i can have you back on and we'll really dive into the new album and dive into uh the big things that are going to happen in 2021
1: i'd love to so here is my my commitment to you, uh, let's set up another thing. I mean, I, I'll set up another one for next week. So you just let me know. We and We can keep talking. We can do a whole other episode. I, I'm, I'm a, I love what you're doing and I want to be a part of it. So you let me know when. And I will give you a couple other things. I've got two more songs coming out in the next two months, two and a half months. Um, and there might be other things and some features happening. And uh, I'm writing like crazy and a big tour this fall. So those are the things I'm going to say that that's what you get. And then when we get get together next, we can kind of like rehash it all and then dive into all the things about it. So
0: that is awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your honesty and for taking us on a journey and I, I can't wait till the next time.
1: You're the man, dude. This was awesome. one of my favorite interviews I've had in a while. So don't tell everybody else, but uh, let's do it again. And we'll do a uh, part two to recap some of this other stuff.